0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, and
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotovis Overtime and Rotovis Radio. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and I'm joined by my co-host here on the show, it is Sean Siegel. Sean, we are getting ready today on the show to talk about one of the industry leagues that you're involved in, the Apex Experts Draft. Looking forward to breaking this down. You did tease it a little bit at the end of the previous show. Uh, so it's gonna be a fun one. We have some interesting articles then to look at. And then a very good question uh, that came in from a listener regarding rankings versus ADP and how to use those. So I'm looking forward to all that on today's show. But uh we're getting ready to, to dive into the Apex.
2: We are, and Apex is a fantastic format that Mike Brody runs. We did discuss it a little bit at the end of the last show. How early is too early for zero RB? Well, Denny picked Tyreek Hill third overall, Mike picked Devonte Adams fourth, I picked Devon, Stefan Diggs fifth, so obviously the three of us feel like three, four, five, definitely not too early. Then you have Kamara, Kelsey, Derrick Henry, Calvin Ridley is the ninth pick, and that fits a little bit with what we have done in some of our listener leagues when we have a pick in this range. Mike Clay, who is a little bit more running back heavy in terms of his values in this draft and has had success with that. I should say as well has the start that you and I have done several times with Saquon Barkley and then Jonathan Taylor wrapping around in the second round Taylor easier to get now with the injuries to the Colts. Evan Silva takes DeAndre Hopkins at 11th, which is an aggressive selection. We think that Hopkins, one of the best players in the NFL, it'll be interesting to see what the additions of AJ Green and Rondell Moore do for that offense. And then Sigmund Bloom, who maybe is the most willing of any drafter to sort of go out and make some aggressive, crazy picks that he has no trouble standing behind. I love the willingness to do things that a lot of other drafters are not. He starts with Justin Jefferson and then selects AJ Brown, this Jefferson Brown at the 112-201 has been a very popular move in our listener leagues. So one of the things that I thought was interesting here, and this is a two running back, three wide receiver, one tight end, one flex format. We're seeing a draft with experts that is very wide receiver heavy, right? And so I think that sometimes people look at our listener leagues, you post them on Twitter, we get some feedback of people are just being silly The experts, I think, would disagree. We go through the second round here, and we do have a little bit of a running back run that includes Elliott, Taylor, Aaron Jones, Eckler. DK Metcalf slides in there, and then Nick Chubb. Chubb, the person who maybe is going earlier. He tends to go in our drafts. But then I selected Darren Waller. This was a a brutal pick for me, Column, because the other person there is C D Lamb. But Even without the premium, the advantage you get with a Darren Waller I think is gigantic. I think that Waller should have gone no later than the end of the first round. So I had to make the move there. We talk about not reaching for our guys that we want to have a really high ownership percentage on when they're this expensive because if you continue to reach, continue to reach, you will get that decent ownership percentage, but then you've left yourself wide open if a guy gets hurt or if you're wrong. I mean, we're not 100% on our picks. We have to... Be willing to draft with humility. Lamb does go with the next pick Keenan Allen, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin. So McLaurin reaches the end of round two, which he has not quite done in the listener leagues, but this is very similar. And then we come back with rounds three and four, and we see wide receiver 12 all the way to wide receiver 27. By contrast, running back 12 to only running back 17. So this portion of the draft, very wide receiver heavy. Call In round three, I took Clyde Edwards-Alaire, as I have often been doing, because I felt there was a little bit of a tear break. My guys were gone. Chris Godwin, the person I would consider there, Godwin, I think, really pretty undervalued. I think he should be sort of halfway in between his wide receiver two finish from 2019 and his finish last year, which was also good, right? I mean, he's going in the same range as what he did last season when... He has the broken fingers, is getting used to Tom Brady, that situation. So I passed on the wide receiver there. I come back with Brandon Ayuk on the fourth. Again, that's fairly aggressive. I have more T. Higgins at this point. I passed on T. Higgins. He went at wide receiver 24th, the very next pick. So in both cases, when I passed on Lamb, when I passed on Higgins, Mike selected those guys. Come back in round five with Juju Smith-Schuster, another player that we believe is a little bit undervalued. If anything happens to Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool, he's going to blow up. But even if they're there, I think he's got a good chance of finishing as the one or the two. What do you think about this start? Diggs, Waller, Edwards, alaire Ayuk, Smith, Schuster, within the context of running backs being good picks at certain junctures because they are falling. And yet knowing at the same time, this thing that we talk about in our leagues Where if wide receivers are going early, you've got to be very careful to make sure you're still getting some of them because once they're gone, they're gone.
1: Yeah, I think that's like, and this is the most interesting draft board that I've seen outside of our listener league draft boards. And uh, it's always interesting when, even when uh, I was posting the the, the listener league draft uh, from Friday last Friday night, the live draft, the FFPC replied to ask where it was from because they were <laughs> they hadn't seen the ADP like it. So uh, it's always um interesting when those sort of things went. Up. But this here board is very very similar. And the other thing that's interesting is not being tight end premium and um, those wide receivers again like you mentioned mclaurin at the back end of the first round uh or sorry second round but the likes of waller and kettle would also be gone in that range if it was tight end premium so it makes it interesting i i like to start sean i think when you get into a situation where we've talked about this a few times when edwards layer is there at that point you know the the middle of the third round i think it's too much to pass up you mentioned then the the gap i think godwin is the selection if you don't go there but i think that Getting him at that point is a significant, significant bonus to this team, and it gives you a little bit more flexibility then moving forward. The one concern would have been that if it comes back and – it pretty much did happen but on, on that turn back at the back end of the third round into the fourth round there wasn't as many wide receivers gone there was in that range the most running backs went in that particular period there was Kyle Pitts as well that went so it did mean that the likes of Ayuk and Higgins would come back to you for an option and um, I think it could get a little bit more concern if two of those running backs didn't go and then Higgins and Ayuk are also gone and um, then you start to go into that next kind of to bridge uh, into that next tier but I think overall it's a, a really strong roster because then you've been able to round it out with Landry and Ruggs then later on so far. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see how it plays out. Uh, you mentioned CD earlier, uh, Danny Carter. Um, His team is it's pretty nice to start off in terms of um, he has Hill, Allen, Cooper, Claypool, Mahomes, Fuller, Jacobs, Garden, and then Rondell Moore. I I would have a lot of concerns about the running backs, but again, they're going on a significantly discounted prices versus regular ADP. Um, there's a couple of very, very interesting teams in this, and it'll be interesting to see over the next four or five weeks if drafts like this, when they do go uh, onto the, the the internet, I guess we'll say, uh, how they affect ADP as well, because this isn't your your average draft board.
2: No, it's not it. One of the things that we see in the listener leagues is that, you know, there's this temptation to pivot to running back early. If you feel like you are actually getting a value that you don't normally get at the same time, that can trickle down into the later rounds too. And so you look at what Mike has done, he starts out with Adams, Lamb, Kittle, and T Higgins. And then in round five, Travis Etienne. round six, Javante Williams round nine, Tony Pollard, Pollard, not necessarily a value, but just a good pick in that range. But he was able to get ETN and Javante Williams, two of our main targets, without having to break the bank to do that. You look at what Denny did with Josh Jacobs and Melvin Gordon. In the eighth round, I would have gone with AJ Dillon or Zach Moss instead. We like those guys better, but it still gives you an example of the values you get. Now, Josh Jacobs, someone who probably not an elite talent, maybe does have some issues with Kenyon Drake. But in round seven, I mean, you're being gifted a guy who should score a lot of points for you, who should be a great value at that price. And you mentioned my team. One of the interesting things here, too, is that we did kind of run into a tier break in round six. I would have loved to have taken another guy there. Chenault didn't quite get back to me. So we do see that there are some experts taking Chenault in round six. Devontae Smith didn't quite get back. Jalen Waddell was the pick right before mine. I had the choice there then of either taking Will Fuller or DJ Chark or going with Josh Allen, hoping one of them would get back. Now, they didn't because Mike took DJ Chark right the pick before me, which you know he was doing throughout the draft. But I do like getting the elite QB. If it's a value. Now, I actually have Josh Allen below Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson, which is where he went in this draft. We do see a lot of drafts where he goes as the second QB. I wouldn't necessarily take him in that range. I wouldn't necessarily take him in round five. But if you think there's a tier break, you get that one elite QB, and then you don't have to really worry about it anymore. I was also thinking that the consolation is that if Fuller and Chark are both gone, then that probably means that some other running back that I want will be pushed down. We took Kareem Hunt in one of the listener leagues. I took him again here. I have an article coming out uh, this week. It'll be, it'll be out by the time this episode posts, talking about how he's probably undervalued this season. And so I was able to take Hunt there. And again, kind of hoping the people would fall to the next couple of picks. I really had a handful of guys I was looking at there, including Mecole Hardman, Jarvis Landry, Rondell Moore, and Henry Ruggs. Landry and Ruggs. Fell to the eight and the nine. I'm not suggesting those are fantastic values, although I I do really like them there. I think that Landry is someone, again, where, yeah, things have to fall a little bit better. Baker Mayfield has to confirm his second half of the year breakout. Landry has to be healthy, which he really wasn't for, I say the first time, but we know that Landry's actually played through some other injuries in the past. But he had the hip injury limiting him in the first half of the season last year. I just like Landry as an arbitrage play on Tyler Boyd, who's one of our favorites, but someone who went in round five, and even those Rams receivers in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, who went in round three. Now that's not to denigrate those players. They do have some very clear opportunities in terms of target share. A lot of people think Matthew Stafford will be an upgrade, but the gap between Woods and Cup, and then Jarvis Landry, in my mind, is not five rounds
1: yeah no i think that's very fair i think landry's always had that issue whether it's in dynasty or whether it's in in regular uh, redraft leagues he's always been somebody who's gone severely undervalued so um i think that was a, a nice pickup in the eighth round sean we've some uh, pieces i think that'll help people um if they are in drafts and if you're drafting particularly in this type of a draft maybe they're not very very late round candidates because the the wide receivers will get moved up but carbon young has a, a really good piece up on the website doing some great work he has uh, offered some advice on three lit round breakout candidates at wide receiver. Um, if you're in drafts like this, or if you're drafting against our listeners, you're going to see those wide receivers go off the board earlier. But you're going to need to know exactly who you should be targeting in those lit rounds and. Uh, he has some guys you should be targeting late at the wide receiver position there and then there's also a great piece uh up on the website by Bjorn van Vernett. and I think uh, it's going to be one to check out as well talking about uh first round tactics and he's recommending a Kelsey running back start so we're talking about all the different scenarios in these shows what we're trying to do is give you all those different options um so we've talked uh, on the show earlier this week about the value at the back end of the draft and going uh wide receiver wide receiver so there's there's all sorts of options and all sorts of uh, things to check out so do check out that one as well up on the site but sean something that uh is up on the site and i know you and ben talked about uh, on last week's show is uh written the first round for 2022 that you said over on stadium bananas uh, i thought it was a phenomenal piece and i i highly recommend the listeners check that one out as well do you wanna rather than dive into it give all our secrets away? um we're kind of talking about who is currently well they could be in the first round at the moment but who is in that range that we expect to be there next year and then how we're using that to our advantage with who we're drafting in 2021 because the only way they get into the, the first round or second round next year is if they have a good year this year but do you want to give a, a brief summary of that or uh, do we think they should they should check out the the episodes and read the read the piece
2: Well, I think we have to hear your first round for 2022. So we start out, Christian McCaffrey. He's going to be 26 next off season, but he's still going to be the 101, 102. (laughs) Jonathan Taylor. You think that Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in the NFL? I believe, Colin. He's going to have some problems in the first half of the season. Is he going to have one of these playoff campaigns where he goes for say 30, 40, and 28? and people are drafting him as the 102 because they've seen that he can be a a guy to challenge Christian McCaffrey next season.
1: I think it's amazing that I I thought I was doing bold predictions kind of three or four months ago when I thought that Taylor should be going like at the 106, but uh, so obviously it wasn't bold enough when in 2022 he's going to be the 102. I see no reason why he doesn't continue that ascent and really push himself up into the that kind in of a super elite tier, where he's you know ahead of the likes of uh, Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook, and obviously Saquon could be there as well. You know, being a little bit younger, but there's also a chance, and I know we're going to have him in a moment. That if things don't work out this year, it starts to move move down the draft board in the opposite direction. So, outside of uh, Christian McCaffrey, for me, he's the, the second best fantasy running back to be selecting. So I think um, that's that's a fair projection. I, I would probably lean towards uh, one of the wide receivers. But um, if we're looking at ADP here, um, <laughs> we're not going to have wide receivers going at the 102 probably and, and uh, consensus.
2: Well, I think we are going to have a wide receiver in that general vicinity. Stefan Diggs is going to be the 103. If you're concerned about Diggs maintaining, make sure you check out some of our Stealing Bananas episodes where Ben Gretsch does a Gretsch Me If You Can segment segment explaining why he should be the top wide receiver picked and why he is the new Antonio Brown. Colin, we've been calling him the new Antonio Brown from back in the day when he was not scoring at Antonio Brown levels. So that's a little bit of cheating on our part, but the reason we were doing that, his peripherals have suggested for a long time that he is maybe the best underneath receiver in the game and maybe the best vertical receiver in the game. And it was hard to understand what the Vikings were doing because one season they would use him on only two yard passes, and the next season they would use him on only 50 yard passes. And you're like, I think you're not completely taking advantage of the superstar that you had. We saw him go to Buffalo. It's easy to kind of miss what he did toward the end of the season because he was so good the whole way through. But once he really got acclimated the last eight games, he averaged 23.4 points per game. Now in any of these kind of situations, you can pick out the person's hot streak and say, look, you know, they scored this insane number of points, but We're looking him at a guy who can score 20-plus points per game. If you have that at the wide receiver position, it will do similar things to what it will do for you at the running back position. We're going to skip over the 104 column and make people listen to the first show of the week where we discussed a running back who's going to be the next David Johnson, the 105, Saquon Barkley. We don't have too many running backs in the NFL right now, even though a huge number of backs are being drafted in these first two rounds there are not a lot of guys who go 230 with 4-4 speed and averaged 11.1 receiving EP per game as a rookie, right? So Barkley falling into the second round on the chance that he won't be 100% in week one, I don't know. I mean, I see receivers in this range who you also have to really consider, but I mean, Barkley should be a top five pick, right? And not only is he not quite this year, but we think he's going to be again next year
1: yeah and i'm gonna just for the sake of uh, not agreeing with every single selection i'm gonna change my picks uh, at that particular point and i think i would go with the, the next two you've in line ahead of him and Tyreek Hill and justin jefferson i think um, i would move him from the 105 to the 107. you mentioned there his size his speed i think that if he gets back from his injury to 100 percent, he is right there with jonathan taylor as like I say to Christian McCaffrey because he's in a tier of his own but I think they are the two best running backs um you know from a a receiving and running perspective um that we'll have next year in the NFL I just have a a little bit more concern (laughs) with how that offense is going to go but I have a feeling that he'll just be slightly lower than you have him here I think I would be more confident in predicting those wide receivers are are going to be just ahead of him Uh, I'm also
2: so you're saying he should be the 103 but he's going to be like the 107
1: no i'm saying that i have more confidence and the other two guys so i would rank them higher so that's why i would have him at the 107 so sean's trying to twist my words there and uh, he laughs in the background as uh, as he does that but i also think that if we're looking at this from what is going to be the real adp this is where we're going to have our projected adp i think if we look at it from what's going to happen in across the industry i think it'll be christian mccaffrey jonathan taylor and then Barkley will be the 103, and that's purely because I think people will stick with their guns as you need to get those wide receivers um,
2: early. Well, now again, you're telling me he's the 103. We're we're saying what we think the 2022 first round is going to be. So you think – so basically Barkley and then Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, Colin, give me a bold prediction. Which one of these guys next year is going to be the superstar – Over the last three years, Tyreek held 19.8 points per game. It's crazy that he's not like the 103 when you consider that he's doing that at the wide receiver position. And you have both the floor and the ceiling. Justin Jefferson, again, we can kind of cherry pick it if we want. But if we look at the second half of the season when he's coming into his own, that actually takes out two 30-point games from the first half of the season. The second half of the season, 19.7 points per game. Again, you have this extreme upside He's got the peripherals you want in terms of volume. Eighth in targets, eighth in target share, seventh in air yards. He was efficient in terms of both translating air yards into actual yards. He was good after the catch. He looks like a combination between DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen. Do you like the veteran? Do you like the young star? Who's going to go earlier next year?
1: I'm going to lean hell here as well. And the main reason for that is his quarterback and his offense. I think Jefferson is phenomenal Talent, but um I really don't know how long we're gonna see Kirk Cousins in that offense. And obviously then there could be a little bit of a shakeup. I know somebody who falls out of the list for a spoiler for the listeners is Devontae Adams because it's likely Aaron Rodgers won't be with the Packers after this coming season and uh there'll be a lot of questions around the the quarterback situation i think in, in minnesota as well so um that's why i would have hell higher um, than Jefferson heading into next season but sean we'll, we'll save the rest for the the listeners to have a, a little bit of a read on the article also check out the the stadium bananas episode but uh that brings us uh, to a, an end of one of the, the most heated se- segments in the road of ot history as, as sean was putting the pressure on there it's always hard Sean, to to compare our rankings now our thoughts. Uh, and we're going to talk in a moment about rankings versus ADP, but versus what uh, people and I guess when they make the right decisions do, <laughs> versus what we do. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about that after the break.
0: Hey, Rotoviz radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast. And I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com
1: So Sean, I got a question come in um, from Greg Dudek um, uh, last Saturday actually, and uh, I I thought about it throughout the week. I thought it was a very interesting one. Um, he said a bit. He, he's thought about sending the question for quite a while, but um, in terms of rankings versus ADP, and how do we make those decisions? You know, if we're drafting at the FFPC and we're looking at the ADP versus what we think will happen, and obviously when we have our drafts, like we did with the listeners, the ADP goes out the out the window very very quick and we're having to make those decisions then based on our kind of rankings or our tiers um what is your overall thoughts on on how how to do that and he also talks then a secondary question we'll probably answer in a minute is when you're playing maybe in a home league or a a friends league or that how, how do you make that selection because obviously the adp and and that's going to be quite different there than it might be in some of these um high stakes leagues for example
2: Exactly. And he gives the example of, I have Higgins ranked higher than DJ Moore. Would he suggest, would I suggest drafting Moore first in a scenario where we think Higgins is going to get back? Uh, This is a tricky one, but it's also one that I, I think is a great question in terms of how do you also incorporate some humility into what you're doing? so when I put my rankings out for the site, I'm pretty aggressive with them to give readers a sense of really where I am on the guys. I think that I have the responsibility to do that in part because if I kind of water down my rankings with the overall rankings that are out there, then it doesn't give you a chance to kind of take my rankings and incorporate them in. Right? So I'm not necessarily expecting readers to draft directly off of my rankings, it's something where they can use my rankings within the context of overall rankings, and get a sense of of what they want to do, maybe move somebody a little bit higher, a little bit lower, if I water them down, then they can't really do that. At the same time, what I think that readers should do, and what I even do myself, is execute kind of a hybrid strategy within drafts to where we're trying to get these guys that we like at a very high level, but also get them at decent values to ADP. If we're if we're drafting them, if we draft some of the guys at my rankings, then you're gonna pay a couple of rounds premium consistently because there are a handful of guys who are ranked at a very different spot than ADP suggests. So Colin, one of the things that you and I have done, I've done this with Curtis Patrick when I do main events, I've done it with Blair Andrews, we go through and we create a grid based on ADP for each round where we basically have, you know, red light, green light situation, players that were comfortable drafting, and both of us are comfortable. So we're looking for sort of a green signal from both people. And then looking at how can we get a value relative to ADP on these people. Now it does change a little bit in terms of just how high we have them related. So if you have Higgins two rounds above ADP, He's someone that maybe you're actually looking to get a little bit above ADP, where if you have DJ Moore around ADP, but someone that we think has a wide range and could blow ADP away, maybe we're looking for him to drop a little bit in terms of that. So we're not going directly off of our rankings. We have this rankings ADP hybrid we're trying to get as good prices as possible. And then we're also sort of with the co-owning element, we're bringing in some humility as well, because we have to listen to our co-owner and what he or she thinks in terms of trying to craft an overall strategy, both on individual guys, and then tactically throughout the whole draft.
1: Yeah, and you've mentioned a few times having you know Higgins and um, the the second round kind of in your your rankings. And obviously, when you have situation, that's not where he's usually going to go in terms of ADP. So it's about making those smart decisions as well, and having that hybrid that you mentioned. Uh, if anyone's interested in finding out more about what Sean mentioned about the kind of. The Excel sheet or the, the draft grids, um, myself and uh, Zachary Kruger talked about it on the Best Ball podcast. So if you want to head back and check that out, I think it's one that um, even if you're only drafting yourself and you're not drafting with somebody else, I think it's a valuable tool to have. And uh, one of Zach's recent pieces, and we've done a show on as well, as reverse engineering your draft. And uh, it also helps you do that, having it laid out that way. So uh, I think a combination of both of those helps make those informed decisions uh thanks again to greg for that question sean a question come in and i know uh I, I would it's more targeted at you i believe but um from michael heller Um he says hi you guys always a great listen i've really enjoyed the ramped up content schedule these past few months he said he's not sure if he's ever heard us talking about uh, our favorite arrested arrested development characters uh so he says, why is it tobias so uh, mike sent on that one sean um obviously the banana stand has played a, a big part in, in yourself uh, over the years. And then obviously uh, with Ben now in Stealing Bananas, it, it still lives on. So wh- what's uh, your favorite character, I guess, in the, the long run?
2: Well, Tobias, obviously a lot of fun uh, there with the shorts. We have Job with the illusions. Uh, Colin, before I give my sleeper pick, who is your favorite Arrested Development character?
1: i've gone between them all to be honest um i just i enjoy the show uh, more than anything my wife it's one of those shows that she she has this thing where she likes putting on shows where she doesn't have to pay a huge amount of attention and um, she can kind of sit there and uh, have it on in the background and then every so often we'll kind of laugh a lot so um i tend to have my my moments as to, to who it is but i always like george michael just like um i am not in the uk but the the uk flared george michael the singer uh, i always thought was good so I, I do have my moments where some episodes you have guys and and girls in it that you you prefer more but overall uh one, one of my favorite shows it's one of those i'm sure you'll agree as well you can listen and watch uh many many times and it, there's always kind of something else that you pick up on along the way
2: Exactly. And I'm going to go ahead and pick George Michael's cousin, maybe, as a potential uh, favorite character there. Uh, She does a lot of crazy stuff. And uh, if anything, maybe taking a lot of the Arrested Development dynamism or creativity to the next level. Also, just a quick note on Portia and the best character that she has is not on Arrested Development but is actually on a show called Better Off Ted Uh, we have recommended Better Off Ted a couple times in the past So make sure you check her out she is Veronica on that Better Off Ted a little bit of a different vibe obviously than Arrested Development I mean nothing is Arrested Development but very creative in its own way and a lot of unexpected humor in that you know you think the punchline is going one direction and it goes in a different direction that is much much funnier uh veronica a huge element of that so uh, another favorite character there for listeners who are looking for uh maybe a different show that they haven't watched already
1: and uh you, you mentioned that you've mentioned that previously i've mentioned uh, ted lasso previously uh the new season is out where i'm two episodes in and i can say for anyone who enjoyed the first season it's time to get uh aboard because the, the second season's off to a, a very very uh good start as well sean on the banana stand um, was Arrested Development your favorite show of all time at one point is it still? Uh, how did the name come? I don't think I've ever asked you about the, the money and the banana stand.
2: Well, Arrested Development has been a strong challenger for the number two slot for a long time. There are a handful of other shows that are kind of in the mix, but uh, for me, it's always been Deadwood 1, Arrested Development 2. I think those are the two shows that really change television and you know Deadwood may be a little bit more controversial in some ways. Some people love it, some people don't. Some people would probably not say that it's changed television, <laughs> it simply, no. but you you will hear people, and I, and I say this all the time if you want sort of Shakespeare, but don't want Shakespeare, you want Shakespeare, but uh, mostly cursing and guys in the old west, you know, fighting and killing each other, then that is the show for you. So, I don't know if anybody who's listened to OT could possibly have not watched deadwood all the way through the movie a little bit of a disappointment uh here recently but the greatest show in television history and one of the greatest works of art uh in human history make sure you check out deadwood deadwood and arrested development you know you want to have a comedy you want to have a drama you want to have you know great acting like you mentioned and like michael has mentioned here with tobias make sure you check those two out and not just check them out but memorize them right i mean if you don't have Access to those quotes in your everyday life, then you know you probably tactically just haven't reached your full potential. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, I think uh, that brought up some interesting discussion So if any uh, listeners have any uh, non-NFL questions, non- fantasy questions, send them in. We might uh, sprinkle a few of them and from time to time. But that brings us to the end of today's episode. As always, you can get yourself a listeners only ten percent discount to his NFL Pass. You can do that by adding the code rv radio 2021 at checkout or going to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information we did do the listener live draft it is up on the Rotoviz overtime podcast feed to give you some and uh, in- inside access i guess or inside thoughts on how we made those selections as the draft went through uh, i think you'll enjoy that and as always drop us a written interview on your favorite podcast app until we're back with another episode my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to Marland, and sean you can check out his great work up on Wiz.com as well as stealing bananas on the podcast with ben Gretsch. until we're back with another show have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime and Rodavis Radio. Please rate and review the Rhodeves Radio Podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at RhodevesRadio at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Roto-Viz Radio homepage, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?